came home yesterday. You guys are living together now? No. Oh. Are you on your way? Two days ago. Saturday night. And she called me yesterday morning. She goes, I got a cat. And I was like, wait, what? And she goes, I got a cat. You want to see him? And she literally has, she literally came home with a tiny fur baby. Solid. And I told her, I was like, I'm going to end up taking more care of this cat than you are. Like, you know that's true. And sure, I guess who the cat fucking slept right up against. Aww. You're just so likable. You love love. I love love. God, I always root for love. Always got to root for love. And what, what are we talking about? On that note, welcome to episode 70 of the Sports Gospel Show here on sportsgospel.com or wherever you found our show. We're happy to have you with us. We love love. We love happiness, friendliness, kindness. Even if it comes in the form of a little tiny kitten. That you didn't want and was forced upon you. That's right. We had to go buy the stuff for it yesterday. hundred bucks later, we have kitty litter. What if we find out you're allergic to cats? I would not be allergic to cats because I grew up with a bunch of them. Oh, okay. So this isn't a surprise. This isn't your first cat. It's not my first cat. At one point, I had three of them, if you could believe that. Did they all go to a farm upstate? No, but my mom, as, as we'll tell the story real fast. My mom and my brother went to go to the shelter to get a cat. And they saw one, and they wanted to bring one home, but they couldn't have one come home because they were all siblings. Because he'd be lonely. They no. couldn't bring two because then one would be lonely at the shelter. So... And a magical 20-minute conversation with the lady at the shelter. They came home with three cats that were all siblings. Sounds like the pet store lady is an amazing salesman and just guilt-tripped you. And like, well, this one will be lonely. Like, don't, aren't cats like solitary individuals? Like, they, they want to come to your house and they want nothing to do with you. They want to go sit in the sun and you to leave them alone. They're not like dogs that need to be all, all up in your business. I don't know that they sit in the sun. But, but, they're like, but they're like, this is my house. Leave me alone. I am king in this castle. They literally are waiting for you to come home and said, where have you been? I'm hungry. Well, that's dogs. No, dogs will, mm-hmm. dogs will jump all over you, and then they'll tell you they're hungry. Cats will just say, what took you so long? I'm hungry. And that's all they want. They just want you for food. Yep, and then maybe like two minutes of cuddles, and they'll go back to sleep. Exactly. Whereas the dog won't leave you alone. You know, that doesn't sound like a bad life, though. Can you imagine? Yeah, must, yeah. How, how easy is it being a cat or a dog, assuming like your owners are not awful people? No. Like somebody literally does everything for you. You're a dog. Somebody cleans up your waste. They feed you. They water you. They give you toys all the time, and you just exist. All you have to do is sleep and maybe just go cuddle with them from time to time. And then if you have too much energy, they tell you to run. Yeah. And so, your dog, like you're never going to get tired. I see those people who like run with like the dog leash around their waist I'm like, how is that dog not dragging you? Maybe it's just because I'm not good at running. I'm like, that feels very exhausting because every dog I've ever run with, the dog will run farther, faster, and harder than I ever will. Oh, no. I, every dog that I've ran with, I have to end up pulling the dog. Is that because you're a super athlete? Obviously. Or are you like running like beagles that... that also, I may be not running with the right dogs, but... Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. Austin's running with little wiener dogs. <laughs> no, my like, mom had a little terrier who got tired after about a quarter mile. No, you need... I'm talking like a, a Eskimo dog or a... An Eskimo things? dog? What are those called? Is that what you're going to say now? What are they called? Huskies. The, what's the other one? Like the big husk... Malamute. That's the word I want. An Eskimo dog? I did a rod dog. Yeah, an Eskimo dog? Hey, I'm the one who has the editing power. I can say whatever I want. But like like a golden retriever, like a high-energy running dog. A German Shepherd, a like pit bull. I wouldn't run with a German Shepherd. Heck, no, man. Those things are gonna see something run out of the bushes. They're gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna be, you're gonna be dragged. See, that's what I'm out. saying. I don't know how people run with dogs on leashes. Heck, no. Yeah, maybe a lab. A lab might be okay. 
I was I was called the what was it? it was somebody said you're a human golden retriever and I'm still not totally sure if it was a compliment or not. That's what they call me too because when I see a ball I run. <laughs> is that is that what they were insinuating by it? I didn't. Yeah, probably. Oh well. You want to talk about the NFL Hall of Fame? Uh, you start. As you can tell, this is an Austin episode. Austin episodes are always a little bit shorter because we uh we talk fast, we move fast, and he always has places to be. So we consider it a perk when we get to have him on. But we're going to take a a kind of break from football as we talk about the Hall of Fame here at the top of the show. But then I want to sink our teeth into some baseball because the next four to five weeks are going to be very football heavy. So I want to get Austin, our baseball, our our baseball sage, to kind of take us here the last few weeks of the season, how we see the playoffs breaking down. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the Hall of Fame. We didn't talk about this last week, but I want to talk about the guys who got in and some of the names who are coming up in the future. But the the class that got in, head coach Dick Vermeil, Cliff Branch, wide receiver, Bryant Young, defensive lineman, and uh, Tony Baselli, the first Jaguar to get in the Hall of Fame, Art McNally, Rich Seymour, Sam Mills, and Leroy Butler. So you th- what, what stands out to you if you hear those names or think about this class for this group of NFL Hall of Famers? It reminds me of the original Trinity dynasty of the New England Patriots. You think about Richard Seymour, and you think about um, Leroy. Well, I don't guess Leroy Boiler wasn't on that team. No, but. I was curious where you were going with this, but I was going to ride along with you. But Richard, but Rich, so for me, uh, so I probably only saw maybe two of those names really, really, really play. Um, and so, but Richard Seymour obviously was a was a was an animal, was a stud. So the, that's probably the biggest name that I know. And then Dick Vermeil, obviously, um, yeah. is, a, is a legend of the game, has been around forever, and so I'm really happy to see him finally get inducted into the Hall of Fame as well. So those are the probably the two names that stand out to me. Yeah, it felt and and I don't I don't want this to sound as dismissive as it probably will, but this felt more of kind of like um like a cleanup class, like a lot of guys who have been overlooked for far too long. Like it's not the most glamorous class that they there's no big name quarterbacks, there's no star wide receivers or running backs or recent names, and there's so many big name guys. I think people get too hung up on this first ballot Hall of Famer thing that there's so many good guys coming out that not everybody's going to be a first ballot. Like, oh, Andre Johnson didn't make it on his first time. Well, he's going to get in. Be patient. There's a lot of guys. Tony Baselli waited for a long time, should have been in. Cliff Branch, I think, is the big one that should have been in. Sam Mills is a guy that I, I just think he's got a great story. And kind of, I think he's like 5'6 or something and ended up being a 12-year veteran in the NFL and played great. Leroy Butler invented the Lambeau Leap, much to your chagrin. Boo. Here we go. From the Vikings fan. Boo. But it's and I think Dick Vermeil. It's weird to have a class headlined by a coach, but I think he was the biggest name. Richard Seymour is one that I don't know that I would have put in, but they don't give me an actual vote that counts for anything. So I feel like we got a lot of guys who deserve to be in, or maybe names who. There's a lot of workmen in the NFL who don't always get as much credit or aren't as high profile, but I think these guys, you know, they made it. The experts say they made it. So congratulations to each one of them. And NFL Hall of Fame is always a fun thing to pay attention to and see who's. When it's your peers who say it, that means it's something more special. A bunch of blowhards can get together and say, well, this guy's better than that guy. But when the coaches and players and people who are in the inside of the league say you deserve to be in, that's it's got to be a huge accomplishment. And this is what these guys worked 30, 40, 50 years for. Yeah, and again, as you said, the Hall of Fame is the ultimate peak of uh, accomplishment when it comes to any professional sport, professional athlete. And so regardless of if that's what their goal is or not, which I hope it is, um, that is something that you can't, you know, you're in the top 100 or so players to ever play a single sport. 
Um, and so regardless if you retired 30 years ago, 20 years ago, or five years ago, it's definitely something to be, um, so it's never something to look down on or even regardless of the names, regardless of who's in it, you know, we always have to embrace and enjoy, um, regardless, even if you're Terrell Owens and want to do your speech from Alabama. So, so I want to do a little, a uh, little obligatory sports talk game that everybody does. So we're, we're not above doing a cliche. Ooh. I'm going to lose. But it's basically going to be a yes or no, does this guy belong in the Hall of Fame? If 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 Austin was voting for the Hall of Fame, would this guy be in? Definitely going to lose. There's probably half the names are going to be the former Yankees pitcher who pitched game four of the 1920 World Series. It's entirely your opinion, so I'm not sure how you're going to lose. Because I'm not going to know the name. Okay. Potentially. I doubt that's going to happen, but there, we never know. There may be some that I'm going to sneak in here. And there were I was just kind of looking at some of the advanced stats and again, there's a lot of guys who aren't in that are just too early in their eligibility. Like we know Drew Brees is going to get in, so we're not going to go like that route. One guy that I was curious about, is he a surefire Hall of Famer? Is Julius Peppers like guaranteed to get in? Is, is he a lock? Because I was like, oh, it's weird that Julius Peppers isn't in. And then I realized he's with, you have to think it's five years you have to be out of the NFL before they even consider you. How does he rank on the all-time sacks list? So for the uh, total value, whatever number that is, that... I don't exactly know what goes into it, but I like the way uh, Pro Football Reference ranks it. He's 22 all-time in the history of anybody who's ever played in the NFL. So So, probably. So his numbers, uh, played 266 games. He is a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9-time Pro Bowler, 3-time All-Pro, 160 sacks. So basically you get over 100 sacks, you're probably... 160? Yeah, Yeah, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He's number 5 overall. Okay, I was going to ask, do you have the sack numbers in front of you? He's number five overall. And is everybody else around him either active or in the Hall of Fame? Then the four players ahead of him are Bruce Smith, Reggie White, Deacon Jones, and Kevin Green. That's good. Yeah, that's good company. Not bad. <laughs> so he is in. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure. I was like, I assume Julius Peppers is a lock, but. Not bad. All right. Controversial question number one, Eli Manning. No. Oh, come on. Two, two, same question. I think the same thing applies to Jim Plunkett. The guy has two Hall of Fame rings. How do you keep a quarterback who won two Super Bowls out of the Hall of Fame? Uh, how many seasons in his career was he a top five quarterback? It's the, it's not fair. It's tr- it's a tr- it's had, a legit had, question. He had Aaron Rodgers. He had Tom Brady. He had okay. It's still a legitimate question. The, I maybe one or two, maybe one. I don't know that there's. I, I don't think that he has enough seasons in under his belt where he was a legitimate top five quarterback in the league. I mean, again, you think Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, like you're playing alongside a lot of good quarterbacks, but all those quarterbacks are Hall of Famers. So if you're going to be in the same class as Hall of Famers, you better be playing on the same level as the Hall of Famers. So regardless if he was even, did he he'd even win MVP? For, he won. He won both. I thought he won one Hall of Fame. One MVP, Super Bowl MVP, but so. I, it, my answer is no. And I, my, my answer is no. I'm shooting from the hip here. I need to pull this up before I'm actually going to do this argument. But think like the 1993 NFL quarterbacks. Who did you have? Brett Favre, Dan Marino, Steve Young, Jim Kelly. Like, I think you could look at all these different periods in history, and there could be six or seven quarterbacks playing at one time in the NFL. Right. There were legit, there were Hall of Fame one. Warren Moon is in. How often was he one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL? I can't. Troy, speak. Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman. People. Here, Troy Aikman and Terry Bradshaw were not as good as people think. They were game managers on great teams. That's what I think. The same applies to Eli and Jim Plunkett. Okay, but how many Super Bowls does Terry Bradshaw have? Four. He, he got four, but he was he was just keeping things. I think. But it was a different era. You have to remember that too. It was a totally different era. J- Troy Aikman 
How many were these? Three, four? You got four. Four. Does that sound right? I've, at least three. And he legit, he was legit, legitimately the best player on the field for both of them. Oh, stop it. He was like the fourth best player on his own offense. <laughs> not in the Super Bowl. Why is it not telling me he was... So Aikman does have an MVP. Wait. Oh, he's fifth. In the, I was like, how does Aikman have the MVP, but he wasn't even on the All-Pro team? I think he was fifth in the MVP voting. So that covers two birds, one stone. I think Jim Plunkett and Eli both belong to be in, even though you disagree with me. Troy Aikman had three Super Bowls. Uh, Ken Anderson, in a similar situation, he was quarterback for the Bengals in the late 70s, early 80s. Guy's been on the ballot for a long time. Probably not. But the I think the argument for him is he was basically kind of the first quarterback that uh, Bill Walsh had for the West Coast offense. And I heard somebody who knows more about football than I do say, had Bill Walsh stayed in Cincinnati, Ken Anderson would be Joe Montana. Because Bill Walsh needed the right quarterback. He honed the system with Ken Anderson, moved to the Niners, and won with Joe Montana. So kind of Ken Anderson got the short end of the stick on that whole arrangement. Which is unfortunate for him, but that's kind of the way the world in the <coughs> professional sports. Um, and so I don't know. I can't speak too highly of his career. I don't know too much about how he played or what was going on when he was playing back in the 70s, 70s, early 80s, right? Yeah. Am I right on that? Yes. Um, and so obviously there's a totally different game. So like who will say this, like when in the 19, in the 1970s, who were the, who were the best teams who were the best quarterbacks? All right. I, I, I can, well, Terry Bradshaw I, won all the Super Terry Bowls. Bradshaw, Fran Tarkenton was Tarkenton in that era. would have been around. Um, you know, and so like, would, does he compare to those level of quarterbacks? It's hard to say. I mean, those quarterbacks are already in the hall of fame. And so I would imagine, especially in my opinion, and I'll say this, like it's a quarterback driven league already. And so the fact that he's a quarterback that hasn't made it in the Hall of Fame, I don't know that he's ever really going to. So you're saying that doesn't bode well for Randall Cunningham, who's also not in. Which he, has, is un- he has competitive numbers. Which is unfortunate, but I don't think that he's gonna make it in either. I loved I loved him and I loved the, the dynamic um playmaker, the original Mike Vick, as they yeah. would say. Um I think he was one of the first, although the first actual running quarterback, his name is Otto Porter. You can look him up if you want to. I- <laughs> I'm going to leave that in the episode because it's so fun, but I think you meant Otto Graham, but I love that you said Otto Porter. Yeah, I definitely meant Otto Graham. <laughs> Cleveland Browns, 1950s. It was like won nine championships in 10 years or something crazy. He was amazing. Before He's there was a Super Bowl. The best, my favorite quarterback ever. Right, two more two more recent guys I'll throw in here, Reggie Wayne and Zach Thomas. Reggie Wayne, wide receiver for the Colts, Zach Thomas, mm-hmm. linebacker for the Dolphins. So the same thing I kind of will compare. Reggie Wayne, love Reggie Wayne. How many seasons was he the best receiver on his own team? Right. Let alone, and it's not to say that you can't have multiple Hall of Famers because, like, obviously the Rams have proven that you can do that and, like, the Patriots have proven that you could do that for a couple years. Um, so it's not impossible and it's not something that you can't do. But the fact that there he may never have been, like, say, even when like, you say, okay, Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski played in the same offense. So... Like, it was comparable as to who was the more dynamic playmaker, potentially. So, and you also have to consider the Peyton Manning factor. And I, ha- I hate when we do this to guys, but I think it's a fair point how much better did Peyton Manning make these guys than had they been playing with Chad Pennington or somebody like that who's good but not significantly a pro bowler. And, it's, and wide receiver is tough because you look at the guys who are behind them, Charlie Taylor, Fred Bolitnikoff, James Lofton. We weren't throwing the ball the way we are today. But I think you have a couple of these guys, and this is kind of a good question. Antonio Brown, 
has 83 career touchdowns. Anquan Bolden has 82. Reggie Wayne has 82. Steve Smith Sr. has 81. So let's let's throw all four of those guys in there. Antonio Brown, and it, let's go Brandon Marshall if you want to make it fun. Antonio Brown, Brandon Marshall, Anquan Bolden, Reggie Wayne, Steve Smith Sr. Because you have a you have Megatron, Calvin Johnson's in the Hall of Fame, 83 Obviously. touchdowns. And, uh, yeah, he's getting in on talent. It's, I wish his career would have been longer, but I get wanting to retire after being stuck in Detroit for that long. But like Heinz Ward has 85 touchdowns, played for 13 years. He's still not in. I think he'll eventually get there. But like Isaac Bruce has 91 touchdowns and got in. So it's you know, how do you evaluate these wide receivers? Are their numbers just going to be inflated because the era they play in? Or should we really be thinking about Anquan Bolden, Reggie Wayne, and Steve Smith as Hall of Famers? So let's look at this. Uh, an average, the, so the, the, the best receivers that are in the Hall of Fame right now, there aren't really a ton. Um, that have made it. And so Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Marvin Harrison, Terrell Owens, Steve Largent, James Lofton, Lance Allworth, Chris Carter, Tim Brown. Those are probably the top receivers that are in the Hall of Fame right now. Isaac Bruce, right? Michael Irvin, right? I don't... I think that Reggie Wayne... See, he played a lot of years, with, obviously, with Peyton Manning. He played a lot of years with Marvin Harrison. But to your point, I think one makes the other and the other makes the other. Like, if one... if 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 Reggie Wayne isn't playing in those offenses, he's probably not as good. But if Peyton Manning isn't playing in those offenses, like like they kind of work in tandem a little bit, um, because you can't get open if you're the only receiver in this year, Calvin Johnson. Well, it's like in as great as Gronk is, is Rob Gronkowski catching 92 career touchdown passes if Tom Brady's not throwing to him? He has more touchdown receptions than Isaac Bruce, Andre Reid, Don Maynard, Lance Allworth, Heinz Ward, Antonio Brown, Calvin Johnson. Like that's, Gronk's numbers are bananas. They're bananas, but in a, so you look at the system. It's a, such a tight end heavy system for the Patriots, and he's clearly a Hall of Famer as well. Like we're not going to throw anything by the side there. Um, I so this is a long debate for a short story. I do believe that Reggie Wayne probably does. I think he probably will end up in the Hall of Fame, regardless, um, based off of the everything that he was a part of, and he won the Super Bowl, and he was with Peyton Manning, and he was part of those teams that were. You know they were going fifteen and one in the regular season and fourteen and two, and they were part of the, such an iconic stretch for the Colts um, that he's just a name that we all kind of know and love and have kind of always fall fell in love with over the course of however many years he played for. So, can we just? And I know we're moving on, but can we take a minute to just remember that Jerry Rice has a hundred and ninety-seven career touchdowns, and he played in the eighties and nineties. He has forty-one more touchdowns than Randy Moss, who's number two, and there's nobody even close. If you consider Larry Fitzgerald active, which I don't think he's still officially retired, he has 121. So the next guy, down to Jimmy Graham, Antonio Brown, I'm trying to think who's the next guy that even feasibly has a shot at getting to 100. Devontae Adams, maybe? Devontae Adams has 73 career touchdown receptions. He's 120 more. So you have to play 10 more seasons, average 12 touchdowns, to even tie Jerry Rice. Okay, I have a trivia question for you. Ready? I mean, it's probably cheating because I have pro football reference in front of me. So do I. Okay. At what age did did Jerry Rice have his last 1,000-yard season? Do you want me to look without touching my computer screen? Don't touch your computer screen. Hang on. His, how old was he? Correct. Last time he had 1,000 yards in the season? Mm-hmm. Let's see. I want to say he did it once with the Raiders because we forget that he went to like the Raiders and the Seahawks and all over the place at the end of his career. I'm going to say he was 41. <laughs> did, did I do it? No, he's 40. Ah! Was it with the Raiders, though? It was with the like, Raiders. With him and uh, Tim Brown? 1,211. Is that the Super Bowl year? That was not the Super Bowl year. Oh, it might have yeah, been the Super Bowl year. I think year. that was the Super Bowl year with uh, with him and Tim Brown and Rich Gannon yeah. all like were three old men who had a career renaissance year together. 
Uh, yeah, and then they Gruden. lost. They lost to the Buccaneers. Yeah, they got smoked by the Bucks. No, that's what it was. Gruden left to go to the Bucks, and then Bill Callahan was the coach of the Raiders and got him that there. Sounds Rich Gannon was on it. Was yeah, it was, he, Rich Gannon was the quarterback, and he yeah. was Rich Gannon hadn't really done much. But I think people forget he was just kind of a Jimmy Garoppolo s quarterback, and then caught fire with that Raiders team. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But he so back to on the topic. He was four, forty years old. Right. It said how many? I can't. I'm, there's not a lot of receivers that are a thousand yards over thirty years old. So to to put that in perspective, Larry Fitzgerald is going to be thirty nine this year. He's still just thirty eight. Yeah, and he hasn't really played in two years. Yeah, and he was it's one crazy. of the most iconic receivers that we've played in like our era. Yeah, that's how good. Like we could talk about how great Jerry Rice was for probably twenty more minutes. But instead, we have to talk about uh, guys who belong in the Hall of Fame. So Jerry Rice belongs in the Hall of Fame. I give him a vote. Yeah, half maybe, of, maybe, half. maybe not first ballot. It's half a vote. Got to be better to get first ballot. Yeah, yeah. What are we doing? Eh. Twenty-two thousand. This yards? isn't a parade. We're not just throwing stuff out. Yeah, we can't just give this away. No, no, no. no you got to work hard. Were you a yes or no on Zach Thomas? I'm a yes on Zach Thomas. Okay. Uh, I think that one's pretty easy, honestly. See, he's he's one I debate a little bit more, but I don't want to get too caught in the muck here today uh there's a guy who i'd never heard of but i was looking at some of the like career numbers and pro bowls and all pros there's a guy named D- jim tyrer who played i believe for the chiefs in the 60s and 70s the dude was like a nine-time pro bowler and is not in the hall of fame so i feel like he's one of those senior committee guys that kind of like go through history and find the old guard and put him in so let's get jim tyrer in there can we start that campaign just, yeah let me let me just he's, he's he's an offensive lineman from the 60s so he's not really this mythical figure we don't really talk about offensive linemen in that but if we way. keep talking about him like we talk about Otto graham then he's definitely going to make it or Otto porter uh Otto porter get Otto better. porter in the hall of fame yeah I'm any gonna hall s- of fame yeah i'm going to start sitting on the 205 bridge and just chanting his name <laughs> and there's here's my last one and you may be a little bit biased this may be a little bit before your time but i'm trusting your uh your local history does jim marshall belong in the hall of fame oh yeah of course okay for for our younger audience who is jim marshall He's the one of the best Vikings of all time. Okay. Part of the Purple People Eaters, and I believe... So Alan Page was the best of that bunch. He's like the only defensive lineman to be an MVP. Only defensive tackle to be an MVP. He absolutely deserves to be in there, so that makes sense. I believe Carl Eller's also in there, and so Wilbur Marshall, I think, is the third of that kind of triumvirate of megastars they had. And oh, let's go. A, a guy that I looked at, I'm like, wait, he's not in the Hall of Fame, but if you love nasty 70s defense... The purple people eaters. The only reason why they don't have a Super Bowl championship because it was the same era as the Steel Curtain, which is right. clearly one of the best runs and stretches of defenses that we have maybe ever seen and maybe will ever see. We some we need to look into that. Like where the Vikings, like the Fran Tarkenton Purple People Eaters Vikings, rank among like best non Super Bowl winning teams. Number so one, good. like Tarkenton's numbers still hold up today. It was bananas. He was like. At, but before Randall Cunningham and after Otto Porter, there was Fran Tarkenton. He was like the bridge. The Vikings might have two of the top three teams that have never won a Super Bowl because I think the best team to do it was probably the undefeated Patriots, right? Yeah. I think we probably at least can they all, made it. We can right. Well, the Vikings made it to four Super Bowls in that era. No, that's true. Um, so I, th- but I do, I do think that we can all probably agree that that was probably the best team not to win a Super Bowl. Or, yeah, yeah. But then you think about the fifteen one Vikings that lost to the Falcons. The, yeah, your your ninety eight ninety eight season, right? Ninety eight season, and then you think about the four seasons. The I say they made it to the Super Bowl four times, but that just that stretch with Fran Tarkenton and all those players that they had on the defensive line and everybody, um, like like you said, like nobody nobody wins an MVP from the defensive line. So that's how dominant you have to really be, right? Uh, to even become to think about how good they were, 
And so, yeah, it's, it's part of the part of the drudgery of being a northern Midwest sports fan is that you're going to have a lot of teams that are going to be really good, but for whatever reason, they just never figure it out. So, hmm. sorry. I mean, you, so we can roll it back into that. You think about the Packers. The Packers have had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the last 30 years. Two. Only two. Right. And they have two rings. Right. That's ridiculous. That's, like, absurd. That doesn't even make sense. And the Lions never get to be good. The Bears were good, like, twice in the last... I mean, the Bears were good in, like, the 20s and 30s. Yeah. 85. It's got to be something to it. Do all the guys flock to southern... I would say they flock to southern cities, but the Patriots are... Well, the Patriots are that's you. I mean, you can't even you gotta you that take them out of consideration really because you have the one of the best coaches of all time matched with the one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And the, frankly, how many quarterbacks nowadays don't don't take the amount of money like Tom Brady did not take the amount of money? But the majority of teams, Seattle maybe is one that didn't. That's from a northern city. But you think about the world. Think about the think about the champions. I don't know that there's a lot that come from the north. Pittsburgh, but the when's the last time they won a Super Bowl? Uh, 11 2011 2012 Super Bowl 2011 season over the Cardinals works. right the Bucks the Chiefs the Broncos the a lot of them and not the Broncos I say don't play in a warm weather climate necessarily so, it's, so the, it's not a, it's not 100% math on this yeah Boston's kind of throwing this off because the uh, multiple championships in the same season for a team yeah, Tampa just did it with the Bucks and Lightning winning it. You had LA do it with the Lakers and Dodgers, but then the Patriot Patriots and Red Sox did it in 2018. So yeah. the the last two times it's been a northern city has been Boston twice with the Patriots and Red Sox. Yeah. Detroit did it in 1952 with the Lions and Red Wings. I'm really excited about I'm so that. So happy Wikipedia has this page. It wasn't what I was looking for, but thank you, Wikipedia, for having what I assume is a correct page. We love to just rant and talk and just figure out what life is about. Well, I'm trying to figure out how I can parlay this into talking about northern franchises that are going to let you down. So let's talk about the Twins and how they're going to fall apart here at the end of the season. Yeah, they just picked up another pitcher. We're going to be great. What so, are you talking about? So we kind of touched on this a little bit last week, but we did not have our baseball sage on with us. So I wanted to get Austin's opinion on, we'll, we'll start out here in the AL and then we can go over to the NL. Some of the big deals, obviously Juan Soto being the biggest one, we'll get to that. But looking at the AL and where we're at here, the Yankees, who have decided to stop playing since the All-Star game, and as we're recording this, have lost five straight. They're now tied with the Astros for in wins. So what looked to be a lock for the Yankees to be at the, oh goodness, for the number one overall seed, that's called reverb, folks. Uh, number one overall seed for the Yankees, and then Astros are right in there now. And the way Jordan Alvarez is playing, and whatever fountain of youth Justin Berlander stumbled into over the last two years without playing baseball, the Astros are right in there. Blue Jays look good, Rays look good, and then the Twins are holding down the Central right now. I think that's going to be a tight race. Twins, Guardians, and White Sox. I just they're the Orioles. I can't trust the Orioles, and I think they traded away their best couple players. But it feels like you've got one, two, three, four, five, six. I would say seven or eight teams because I'm not going to give up on the White Sox. We have eight teams playing for six spots. So at, now that you've let the dust settle on the trade deadline, how is your American League stacking up? Yeah, well, I think it's very clear who the number one and number two teams are, right? Nobody really wants to play with the Astros. Nobody really wants to play with the Yankees. And even though we think we say, like, the, okay, the Yankees have lost five straight, and so they kind of stumbling, you have to remember that at one point in the season they were on pace to win 123 games. Um, and the record is 116, 
And so, like, they we're clearly not going to be able to run that pace for the entire season. And so even though it's, they were in quote stumbling, they, I do believe that they will have, they have enough firepower to um, take that number one seed. Um, and then obviously we have the Astros who are the number two seed. So I don't, I think that those two teams are going to be far and away um, the best two teams. And so four through, or you say three for three through six, um, you talk about the Twins, obviously, who are, I think, I, mean, I, would, I may be a little biased, but they have the easiest out of this three teams in terms of schedule um, remaining. Uh, so I do think that they probably have the best opportunity to win that Central Division. Um, and then I think, again, you know, I think where we're standing now clearly is where it's going to land. Um, you know, and it's really weird to say that, but I, but the division, the American League East, is very clearly the best division. Um, in baseball, and the Red Sox have kind of just fallen flat on their face, and I don't think that they're going to be able to recover. And so I think the other two teams are going to take uh, advantage of that, and I think they're going to pull, pull, um, pull out what we are looking at. And so, in a, in a weird way, like the teams might juggle a little bit, but I don't think the teams are going to change when it comes to the playoffs. And playoffs. And the 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 Blue Jays are the one that scares me. They've been my World Series team from the AL since the get go, and they're in there. They have the third best record, but it's it's really tight. Jays, Mariners, Rays. Twins, Orioles, and then down to the Guardians and White Sox. It is so, so hot in here. So it's a huge log jam, but the Jays do not play defense. They score a boatload of runs, but they don't stop anybody. So I'm, I'm worried about if the Jays get stymied somewhere. You know, you, you get a Mariners, now they have Luis Castillo. You get a Castillo-Robbie Ray pitching. You get uh, the Twins, if somehow like, you know, like a Dylan Bundy, somebody gets hot and they have a second arm there. You know, you run into Shane Bieber with Cleveland a game or two, depending on how this all shakes out. I'm very, very nervous about the Blue Jays. I just, I hate this idea that we're going to be Yankees and Astros because I feel like the last five years has been Yankees or Astros. I just, but, I, that, but that's the road we're going down right now. I just, yeah, I just, I would love to see the Rays get hot. I just, I cannot trust your Twins, Cleveland. I don't know that Cleveland has the bats. You saying you can't trust trust Chris Archer? I'm saying I can't trust the Twins as an entity. That was so rude of you. Sorry. That's only when you play the Yankees. Upper Midwest sports franchises. That's only when you play the Yankees. Sorry. But that's... I, I hate that that's where we're trending, but I don't know that I can see another way around those two teams repping the AL unless somebody gets hot at the right time. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that was rude. I hope you know that. Why don't you go out on a lit? Why don't you go out on a limb and pick somebody crazy? Like just just bind to the Orioles. Convince us that the Orioles are the real deal. Give us a reason to believe in the Orioles. Adley Rutschman. Does anybody know who Adley Rutschman is? He's good for a. Is he like? Is he considered a rookie or did he just make his? Yeah, he's name? a rookie. He made his major league debut three months ago. Yeah, but it's like baseball. You got drafted like five years ago, and you're still a rookie. Yeah, he only got drafted like two or three years ago, though. He's number one overall pick. Okay. And he's a catcher, and he's a, and he's a leader, and he's been able to, you know, hone in that pitching staff as difficult as that has been. And he's a walking double, frankly. And so I have a lot of belief that, you know, he it could be somebody that's going to help them and lead them and carry them into the playoffs. Ah, let's say that. So that's the hot take. So talk about a lack of parity. The Astros have been, you know, for better or worse, for legal or not, have been in the ALCS five of the, the last five years. And it's so it's been it's been the Astros versus an AL East team each of the last five years. Yeah, because it's guess it's the upper Midwest in the central. That's yeah. So the last last central team was the Cleveland at the time Indians beat Toronto. I do not remember Toronto making it back to back years. They lost to the Royals once and they lost to the Indians once. Twenty fourteen was the Royals versus the Orioles. That feels like it was forty years ago. The Orioles? 
The Royals beat the Orioles because Buck Showalter was there. Wow. In 2014. What year was it when Bautista hit that big home run against the Rangers? Was that a division series game? Uh, must have. Well, because the Rangers were good like 2010 and 11. They made the World Series in those back to back years with like Beltre and yeah, but, uh, Josh Hamilton. I don't know if the Rangers made it again after that for a but, while. But that was when Bautista was on. He was on the Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that a division series game? It must have been because it wasn't in the CS. Um. But yeah, it's it's just so basically, if you want to pick your your ALCS game, Astros plus insert AL East team because it, it's it, in the last three years it's been Red Sox Rays Yankees and then before that Red Sox Yankees. <laughs> so it's really the Rays' turn if you want to work on that pattern. Yeah, go Rays. Let's go Rays. Now, as for the National League, oh, I'm getting text messages. Oh, you're in trouble. So you've got. You got the Dodgers who are running away. They are not shockingly the best team in baseball. The Mets are hanging in there. I've I've been a doubter. Keep thinking the Mets are going to fall apart. Braves doing Braves things, just kind of quietly hanging in the middle of the pack. Padres, Cardinals, Phillies, and then Brewers. I think it's time to declare that the Giants are out of this thing. So I think you have seven teams: one, two, three, four, five, seven teams competing for six spots. But we we kind of, again touched on it last week. But what say you, Mister Baseball Man? Are the Padres really going to be this good now that you've got Soto back or on this team? Tatis is supposed to be coming back soon. The Padres are spending money, but are they going to buy themselves a championship, or is the gap still too big with the Dodgers? No, the gap's too big, and frankly, it's one of those things, even though baseball is the most individual sport that we have, um, you we look at what they tried to do with their pitching staff a couple years ago um, when they acquired Hugh Darvish, um, and they were not able to make a run that year. And so it's going to be one of those things where, yes, they're going after it, and I, I do believe that they will have an opportunity to do it. Obviously, Juan Soto won a World Series a couple years ago. Um, but I also know that gelling together and trying to create a team and trying to put together a team this quickly, um, especially with a superstar as big and as boisterous as Juan Soto is, I just don't think that they're going to be able to compete with the rest of the, of the National League. So here's here's what I'm going to say. Dodgers are winning the West. Mets are going to win the East. Cardinals are winning the Central. Braves, Padres, Brewers make the postseason. Phillies are going to fall out. Get ready for the St. Louis Cardinals. I know they're old and they're boring and they're dull and they're the Cardinals. But they also won like 15 straight to end the regular season last year. Right. They've won seven straight right now. You've got Tommy Edmund playing great. Paul Goldschmidt's an NL MVP contender. We'll get to that in a minute. And uh, who's the other one I just blanked on? Arenado? Not Arenado. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Arenado. Yeah, Arenado. Watch out for the Cardinals. They're coming. I just, I'm not going to buy the Mets. I love Max Scherzer. And we haven't even talked about Jacob DeGrom coming back. Who's, who has a better one-two punch than DeGrom and Scherzer? Nobody, really. I can't think of Oh, maybe the Yankees do, but... Oh, I'd rather have either of those two than Garrett Cole. Come on. You think? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big Garrett Cole believer. I don't I don't get it. I don't see it. I'd rather have I'd rather have Chris Sale, Scherzer, DeGrom, Kershaw. That's All fine. these guys. I don't know. Side note, I watched the Padres play a game this weekend. I want long hair you Darvish back. I don't like short hair you Darvish. <laughs> like, it's like, a pitcher's thing, I man. like him with the long hair. The flow. And just like that, as we're discussing Mr. U Darvish, Austin, we lost his microphone and his camera. I do not know what happened to him, but struggling here to try to get him back on and um, doesn't look like it's going to work out. So we'll just take you home on this one. Baseball's really getting to that exciting point of the season. We gave you our picks here for the AL and the NL, and we like having Austin on to give us a little bit more insight on baseball than the rest of us can provide for you. But stay tuned. August and September look like they're going to be very exciting. Coming down to the wire here, the AL East is going to be a battle to the end. The AL Central got two to three teams in contention there, and then out in the NL, each one of these divisions 
basically two horse races at the top. Mets and Braves out east, Cardinals and Brewers in the central, and Dodgers and Padres out west. If, can the Padres really do it? It's a feel-good story if they're able to bring all these big pieces together and make this team a contender. But that's going to be the show for this week. Going to do a little bit of a short one with uh, without Austin here now. Uh, come back next week. We're going to do four straight weeks of major football. So we'll do college football previews the next two weeks, NFL previews the two weeks after that. We'll sprinkle in some other sports here and there. We want to do some Cy Young and M- uh, MVP picks here for baseball. Also, we need to talk about the WNBA. A lot going on here towards the end of the WNBA season and getting into their playoffs. We've neglected that league a little bit too long, so we need to cycle them back in. We'll check in on everything else we have going on in sports as NASCAR comes close to the end. NHL gets close to firing up here again in the fall, and NBA's always got something going on. Still big things like the Kevin Durant trade rumors out there. But we thank you all for joining us on this week's episode, episode 70 of the Sports Gospel. Come back next week, episode 71. I believe it will be Andrew on with me. We're going to talk Big Ten football, I believe the ACC, and probably look at the Pac-12 with him. And then the week after that, we'll get to the rest of the college football conferences. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next week.